Come with me, time out of mind, into the shrouds of yesterday. Hi, hello, welcome to episode number 10. Very excited to have gotten to this mile point. Today, we will be introducing ourselves with the question of what's your favorite musical instrument and why. I'm Hecate Nichols, I'll be your storyteller, and my pronouns are she, her. And my favorite musical instrument is the theremin, purely because it's weird and it makes that cool electronic weird sound and it's all like space and distance and time and I love it. I have almost no musical talent or understanding whatsoever, so not not a lot deep there. Why don't we just go in number order, so ha ruin, ha tivo, ha treep, ha kahir. Hi, I'm Juniper. My pronouns are they, them. My favorite musical instrument is cello because it's dark and spooky. Sounds good with rain. I don't know. I put it on a loop when I need to focus on things. My name is Jay. My pronouns are they, them. And my favorite musical instrument is probably the baritone saxophone, which I played from fifth grade through like freshman year of college. So yeah, a lot of history with it. It's just a lot of fun, and I've always liked the sound that saxophones have. My name is Cadence, and I'm playing Hatrieve, and my pronouns are they, them. My favorite musical instrument, I'm going to go with electric guitar. And I played uh, violin for 15 or 20 years, but a lot of that time I was spending time drawing inspiration from guitarists and trying to consciously emulate guitar sounds on my violin. My name is Nova. I use she, her pronouns. My favorite instrument is actually also the baritone saxophone, although my second favorite would probably be the bass clarinet. Both are jazz instruments that I was really interested in when I was in middle school. Unfortunately, Mr. Longmire destroyed my love of music. Uh, basically, I had a really good music teacher for two years that, like, let us do really complicated, awesome movements, and then he basically asked for more money and was replaced by someone who regressed us back Back to basically year one. And so we went from playing like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, like these really cool movements to hot cross buns again. And it was just like, oh, I literally hate everything about this. Cool. My passion for music has now been absolutely destroyed. It was really unfortunate. Funny thing is, is I later met his sister-in-law because she was my therapist and she also hated him. And I loved that. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's, that is a marvelous story. Thank you everyone for sharing again, always. I love how open, how communicative we are. I think the support we all show for each other and how much we show up really makes this, this horror podcast just a, a little more safe to explore the, the dark and scary. And speaking of which, we're going to start this episode off with the death of Ha Kahir and Ha Tavo. The cold and painful journey to death. You've often wondered what could be worse than death, and you've wondered this question without knowing what death itself feels like. A darkness surrounds you. Your blood feels cold and hot at the same time, numbing its veins like ice running through your body. You have a dark and dreary feeling of literal love being siphoned out of your gut in a burning bile that emits from your mouth. The foul, thick foam of stopped breath and blood pooling in your lungs. Though your eyes are closed and darkness surrounds you, 
In your mind's eye, you perceive a thick, roiling fog, as dark as smoke and red as blood. You begin to observe memories that are dear and close to you. You remember. The joy wells up in your heart for a second, but you see these memories dying with you. And you begin to wonder, if you lose your memories, do you lose your soul? What are you but the stories you've told about yourself? Suddenly a shock, almost electric in nature, flies through your entire body. And the two of you awaken, eyes sharply opening. And you find yourselves lying on the ground next to your former companions, Ha Treve and Ha Ruin. You're unable to move, unable to act. Your bodies are still, and the coldness in your blood remains. Ha Ruin and Ha Treve, your companions have recently died. What do you do? Well, I can sort of wake them up if I'm touching them, but also I'm bleeding to death, so that seems like a bad idea. Yes, to catch anyone up who hasn't heard the last episode, our adventurers had a bad encounter with the mists of Zetaxia and the Zetaxian creatures, which are small wyverns that attacked them. Two of them died from poisoning and one of them got severely injured. And then two days later, I remembered we could have asked a warden to escort us, which was really helpful. (laughs) Too late for that. I forget. How are your wounds? Uh, do you need stabilization? Yeah, probably. I have a severe gut wound. I'm going to care for the living before the dead, so uh, I'll make a roll to stabilize and give medical support. Roll that d20. Eight. You're able to improvise a bandage and improvise a little bit of gauze to stuff into Ha Ruin's wound. You do think you'll need to get them to safety and a proper healer of sorts. Fortunately, you're close to the pawnside town of Telo Cielo, so that is a boon, but you also have two dead companions and a few dead Zetaxian youths near you. I was just about to ask how close to Telo Cielo we were. Laden down with friends and corpses, you could make it there in a couple hours. Yeah, fuck. Damn. All right. <laughs> that's, that's a ways. I mean, it's supposed to be like a 10-hour journey. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Okay. I don't think I can travel very fast right now. I have no idea how permanent death is in this setting. Or how permanent death is for us in particular that awakened <laughs> yeah. with bags we over started our heads out in a tomb. Not actually dead when we were supposed to be, so <laughs> that's encouraging. You have a gut feeling that death is fairly permanent. Was that a pun? A gut feeling. <laughs> hey, no. Not a pun. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jokes in poor taste. <laughs> Shit, wait, I can see here. Communicate with- perceive ghosts? Can't- how the fuck do I do that? Can I do that? (laughs) My companions, who are theoretically ghosts at the moment? You believe you know a ritual that you could perform to speak with ghosts nearby. It would take about an hour to complete lighting some candles and a blood sacrifice. Do I count as a blood sacrifice right now? <laughs> you could use some of the blood that you're currently losing, yes. Sweet. I, I mean, think we should probably head on to uh, Telos. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> That's, they're, they're not going to get any deader. 
Uh, yeah, we should get to town. Get me at least stitched up. Yeah. Come back for dead friends. Uh, come back and uh, do a proper a proper rites for, for these two. But let's get you healed up first. So the two of you head towards Telosiello by yourselves, leaving your companions behind. They're not going to get any deader right now. <laughs> Can hide them with his Ataxian bodies. Delightful. Delightful. After an hour of travel, and it is painful travel, Haruin is not in good shape. Fortunately, they're small. They're about half the size of Hotreve, so Hotreve, you can pretty much carry Haruin without much trouble. Okay. I'll go ahead and do that. You arrive in the enormous lakeside town. This lake is easily 10 miles in diameter. So it is a very big, very flat, very clear lake. It seems almost deadly still, but just reflects the most beautiful scene in it. The houses are fantastic in construction. So this is a friendly and warm fishing community, not too far from the enormous Rock Hill Cliff mountain that juts out in the middle of the valley. Comparatively small to the entire valley, but comparatively large for a random mountain or hill to lift up out of the ground in the middle of a flatland. You can smell fresh bread baking as you enter into the township. The houses are atypically small with very wide doors, and the people are milling about, taking their time. They all seem to be in a very relaxed frame of mind. No one seems to be rushing or struggling. A good portion of the population are Loxo, elephant folk, Minotaur, which are bovine folk, and Urians, which are crab folk. Although there's a healthy sprinkling of other types of faunus in the city, you can hear within the town square of this large city town the sound of pipes and harps being played. It doesn't seem like this is a festival day, but it seems like a cherry farmer's market in the middle of a normal city town. What does normal mean? You don't know but it strikes you as incredibly normal. I am immediately suspicious of everything. Except that all of this is happening in the evening when we're rolling through. <laughs> yes, this is happening in the evening. There's <laughs> there's torches out, many lanterns hang throughout the city. It seems to be the winding down of a farmer's festival. And we just stagger and covered in blood. Yep. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Gonna well, walk up to uh, first person I need uh, and say, my friend needs a healer. Can you point me in the right direction? The first person you come across is somebody sitting on a barrel, a loxo, so an elephant person. She is sitting on a barrel. She is wearing very bright, saturated colors, a blue shirt and very yellow pants. And she is writing at this little makeshift table that she has a very scrappy, strange map. She looks like a young woman in age, like just recently came into adulthood. And you approach her with a, with a very bleeding and almost dead Kenku. Sorry to disturb, but my friend needs immediate medical assistance. Can you direct me to a healer? Oh, oh my, oh, oh. Oh, the, the, you're, oh, what? Oh, I, yes, of course, no, yes, I know a, a healer, yes, do you need, I need, I, I'll, I'll show you the way, focus, I have a map. Focus no. on me, point me in the direction, <laughs> and give me a name. Ah, you need Melanus Chalmer, Melanus Chalmer. Uh, Melanus Chalmer, and he lives in this direction. Can you? Direction. Can you direct, uh, can you lead me there? Yes, yes, yes. If you would not um, mind, I would deeply appreciate it. 
And the, the Loxo, she leads you rather quickly, very scatteredly, to a lovely little log cabin. Very strange that all the houses appear to be made of logs here, largely because it's in the middle of the valley, very far away from the forest. Miles upon miles away from the forest. You see no source of trees or, or wood anywhere nearby. And this is the little log cabin that's been painted red. And there's a heavy oak door in the front with floral patterns going up it, kind of in a almost fleur de like pattern. The door is answered by a very elderly garage alligator person. They are very bent of spine and wear uh, an old hood and have a gnarled cane that they lean upon. And one of their eyes is completely whited out with cataracts, while the other is very alert and aware. And they they just take one look at Haruin and fetches them up with their right arm, pulls them into the cabin and starts muttering about foolish travelers always getting injured on the road and not knowing when to run away from poisonous ataxians. Z has laid out Haruin on a bed and is already at a mortar and pestle, not even talking to Hot Shreve, just mortar and pestling some herbs and like grabbing some dried things from above here, a little station, and Z's like mashing and just muttering under their breath. Many of their teeth are broken. You can see some of hair scales are chipped off. Z looks pretty rough as far as the garage go. Well, that, that seems totally legit in terms of medical support, so uh, I am not going to interrupt and hope that it's not black magic being practiced instead. Please don't kill me. I have a note here that says stolen by an alligator person. Yeah, a minotaur mentioned it to you. You're correct. You were told at Fort Elbow that there was rumor of a bat folk being kidnapped by an alligator folk. Cool. Well, I will still be watching this situation to ensure that my friend isn't isn't taken too uh, too far. Excellent. I can't can't really assess for weapons in my current state. <laughs> so after about an hour of tending to Haruin and fussing and like very forcefully tending to Haruin, like Haruin, you like try and sit up or like move, and like one of your heavy gnarled knobby claws just like pushes you back into place, and he mutters something like, "Don't move, rest, relax," and it, it very forcefully <laughs> pushing you around, telling you to relax. After about an hour, and the sun has solidly gone down, this garage melons looks over at you, Hotrave, and says, All right, what happened? We were attacked by Azataxians. Two of us didn't make it. Um, Oh, fuck, you should go back for them. Yes. You can talk. Yeah, I know. I'll be be going back to check on them soon. Cool. I wanted to first make sure that you survived. Not anything I can do for a dead person, but... The town can probably bury them proper, gives them a last rite and ritual. I'll look after your Kenku friend. Um, you have a lot of strange scars and injuries. Yep. Strange. Is there anything you want to tell me that I might need to know while I look after your Kenku friend for an hour? I, I don't think so. Okay, but before you go, eat a loaf of bread. That's not yes, suspicious Grandpa. at all. And and Z like pulls out a crust of bread and just shoves it in your hand. Alright, very well. Uh, cool. I will eat this bread. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, even though it's a little stale. Probably about a day old. You you haven't eaten in a while, so it's it's actually kind of nice. Z also gives you some water to drink and insists you drink the whole cup. Uh, it's a rather large cup. Stay hydrated. I was totally going to performatively just eat a little bit and just because I don't trust anyone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Z definitely, like... She, I'm sure, doesn't let that happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> Z is not stopping you physically, but Z is giving you <laughs> such a look. <laughs> All right, I'll eat the bread and drink the water. You're being parented. Water. Yeah, I'm, I, I recognize this. Excellent, excellent. Haruin, you are fed wet bits of bread and uh, being scolded for not eating. This is fine. Hotreve, you head off to retrieve your friends. Haruin, are you going to be, are you feeling better? Are you going to be okay? I'm not bleeding anymore, so. All right, well, I'll accept that as an improvement. Still got my cheese knife. Are you comfortable if I leave (laughs) and check check on our companions and bring them toward town? (laughs) Probably take some help this time. Yeah, I suppose wandering off on my own. Now that evening has passed, might not be the best idea. There's definitely wardens here. Yeah, all right. They might even be wardens who don't want to kick your ass. I will... Okay, I'll give that a try. Do 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll play the odds. With a quick survey of the town, you probably don't want to spend too long looking around this log cabin town and, and poking around. The harps and flutes have... Uh, they haven't stopped, but now they're playing like soft and low music in, in the town square and the like. People are milling around much slower. A couple of people are milling around with drinks. You don't find any wardens immediately, but you do find someone who looks like a trapper. Go up to them and say, "Uh, hey friend, I'm looking for a warden. Can you uh, direct me? They point to a very, very drunk character who has been drinking and eating delicious sweetbread rolls. Fantastic. This can only go very well or very badly. Who is an Ibixian, and people do seem to be avoiding him. This Abixian is smaller than Hatavo, in fact, probably the smallest Abixian you've ever seen, but has three short swords around their belt and an axe, like a wood-cutting axe strapped to their back. Not in a way that you believe would be easy to access if they were to need it to fight. Which is curious because, again, there appears to be no trees or woods in any nearby area. Well, I suppose I'll introduce myself. Uh, hello, friend. Uh, are you a warden? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. Yep. My companions and I were uh, attacked by Zetaxians, and uh, I was just going to uh, retrieve the my two bodies of my companions. Would you or another warden be able to accompany me? You didn't pay your taxes? What? Uh... That's not the situation. Uh, okay. My taxes are paid. Okay. My companions are dead. Your company and your compa- companions <clears throat> are dead. Who's charging you taxes here? <laughs> you were not Tax- in CMIT. Friend, you're very lost. But okay. That, that may okay. be true. But, but okay. The- I'm a warden. So if you're lost, you're found. Ah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I've got you. Thinking to myself, I've heard this one before. Oh my god. Uh, So your friends are dead. They're dead? Wait, your friends are dead? Yeah. Why'd they die? Well, there were some uh, ornery Zetaxians that uh, didn't like us very much. I don't know what's honorable about small monsters that eat you in the mist. (laughs) But it doesn't sound honorable. But if your friends got an honorable death, then I mean, that's good, right? We'll drink to them. Well, I think we should retrieve their bodies rather than, and then drink to them, you know. Your friends kept bodies? No, my friends, their spirits are housed in bodies. (laughs) Or were. That seems pretty charitable. (laughs) So you want me to go with you? 
to help co- collect the spirit houses for your friends. And we're gonna... Precisely. What? Collect the spirit houses of our friends. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm off duty. Like, today's my off day. But, like, when you're a warden, you're never off. I would have never Although I have, <laughs> I, I, I have gotten off, if you, if you know what I mean. I'm if you, sure I do. If you, if you know, hey, you're being nice to me. Yeah, well, why not? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Let's find your friends. <laughs> oh, God, my face hurts so much. Somebody let this goat have way too much barley. Yes, this this goat's breath smells heavily of very hoppy beer. So you've got this very excited, very feisty Baxian with you in tow. We've got about an hour's walk to get him to sober up. So uh, I'm I'm sure this will be fine. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, he entertains the walk with stories that you're not entirely certain are true about his job as a warden and some of the wilder things he's seen and heard. One of the interesting stories he tells you is the bandit of Fort Turthlon. Apparently, and the story goes, or so it's said, there once was a warden of Turthlon, and I wish I could just improvise a limerick out my ass right now because that'd be so good, but it's not going to be like that. I assume that he does this in drunken limerick form. Yes, yes. Very much in character with, I wish I could do a limerick now. He tells you of how this bandit was a warden and the warden was a bandit. And the two interacted and one tricked the other into revealing their hand and the other had learned to be a better person. So they fought and one left and one stayed. And the smarter one was the one who was good. Right, because history is written by the victor and all that, sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What the fuck? See, the bandit had tried to trick the warden into looking like a bandit, but the warden knew the bandit's friend. So the friend revealed the bandit to be a bandit and not a warden. And that's how the truth was revealed. Sounds like an awful lot of reliance on social networks, so-called friends. You know, I keep my skepticism to myself, but... And you come to the spot where your dead friends were. Were? And I must emphasize were. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Because you find the Zetaxian bodies of the small, young, cat-to-dog-sized Zetaxians that you killed. But no sign of your friends who were dead and there. Is there any sign of their bodies being dragged? You do not see any signs of your friends being dragged off. Your Baxian friend's like, so I'm I'm confused, because, uh, you see, you've lured me out to here all by myself. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and I am a little drunk, but I'm getting a little suspicious, because uh, I don't see any friends. Quick, hit on him! <laughs> this is not the romantic interlude that you're thinking. I, my friends were here with the, and the Zetaxians that attacked us are here, so that much you can see is absolutely true. I am as baffled as to where the bodies of my friends are as as you are. Can can you see any signs of the their bodies being dragged? They should have been right here. Well, I wasn't thinking you were going to make an interlude to me. Anyway, 
A different kind of stabbing <laughs> is what I thought, because an hour would be a really long ways to go before you kiss a person, unless you're nervous, and that's fine. I've I've definitely spent hours working up the courage to try and kiss somebody. We 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 might have just gotten off the like you want to just go like five minutes out of the bat, and then like you're like, well, just keep walking because it's awkward. I get it. I get it. All NPCs are self inserts. Why you gotta call me out like that? <laughs> <laughs> That's just rude. The Ibixian points at some hoof marks that you didn't notice before, mostly because you weren't looking for hoof marks, that are broad and a little bit bigger than what you'd imagine a horse's would be. What do you think, centaur? Huh? Uh, what do you think, centaur? Ah, uh, based on the gate, I think it's a horse. Horse? Yeah. What What direction are they heading? Along the, the rock, off of the path. Yeah, motherfucker. Huh, horses in this area. Horses in this area. Horses, horses, horses. I'm going to take a moment to study the tracks and see if he comes to a conclusion of that thought. One word pops in your mind accompanied by a terrible image. The word is thrace. And it is a horse with a mouth that unhinges like a snake's that is filled with carnivorous teeth. Ah, well, friend, have you ever hunted thrace before? Ah, no, but I've scared one off before. Yeah. No, I hunted it. I mean, I scared it. I killed it. Then scared it off. Mmm, you caught me. <laughs> I I saw one once. Well, I'm going to go see if I can hunt, hunt this one down. Yeah, You want to come along? I could use the backup. So, ha to vow and ha-kahir. <laughs> You're laying there where your friends have left you, completely aware of the world around you, when you hear the lovely clip-clopping of Clydesdale-esque sized hooves, and you see a most terribly tall and muscular horse, brown and dappled white towards its haunches, leans over and bites on the collar of Hatavo and begins dragging Hatavo away. Hakahir, there's nothing you can do but watch Hatavo get dragged away by this horrible, horrible carnivorous horse. But soon, you hear the sound of clip-clopping on soft dirt, which we all know is exactly how horses sound when they move over soft ground, like coconuts clapping together. And the Thrace leans over and bites your collar and begins to drag you, much in the same way that Ha Tavo was dragged. And 15 minutes later, you find yourselves in a cave. You're laid before a lupin, old and curled of hair. Most of their hair is sort of a fading goldish color. Hard to distinguish the gray from the gold at this point. One of their legs is severely broken. And they're laid with their back against the cavern wall on a little mat of straw. And the Thrace is nudging your bodies towards this Lupin, who looks at you two and the bones around you, and smiles sheepishly at the Thrace and says, Ah, yes, thank you. I was starting to get hungry. And leans over Hatavo and begins to gnaw, almost play pretendly, on your arm. Oh, delicacy. This one has parts. Mmm. How do oh you my stitch goodness. this together? And the Thrace snorts at the Lupin and then turns around and lays down with its face towards the cavern front. 
And there's absolutely no physical movement that we can do to respond. Roll me a d20. Ooh. Nine? Very good. You try to move, to respond, to, 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 to say anything, and instead you just vomit. A thick green mixture of foam and bile. Beautiful. Which startles the lupin quite a bit. A sauce to go with this meal. Great. The lupin definitely kicks you away and shrieks a little. And it's like, ah, it's not quite dead yet. Still squirming. Perfect. That's, I love it. Still alive. Do you attempt to do anything else? I don't think I've got enough in me to light this lupin on fire. And I feel like that would be a severely bad choice with these angry murder horses. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you're gnawing on me. That's not chill. Yeah, no. I I honestly think that's what I'd try. Yes! Oh, (laughs) God. I'm sorry, what's that? Uh, Vibe check. (laughs) (laughs) You try to to burn this poor Lupin, and instead your body just begins to alight with a silver fire. Oh no. Like you were your own funeral pyre, which causes the Thrace to panic and run out of the room. But the Lupin is kind of stuck in place and starts screaming, mostly things along the lines of, what the fuck, what the fuck? What the shit fuck? What the fuck shit fuck? Oh, fuck shit fuck. Oh my god. Oh Can my I stop the fire shit. now? Or does it just keep going? The fire stops and the lupin is looking at you with total fear and it's like, you're the one from my childhood. This is a nightmare. I'm oh having no. a nightmare. I'm not here. This isn't real. I don't know why there's a little bat. I don't know why I'm scared of horses now. Horses don't have teeth. Well, they do, but they hey, with well, I'm in hey. This is a dream. This is a dream, and it's something about how there's a bat. There's a bat that I'm in love with. Maybe no, no. I'm afraid of hurting a bat, and the bogey from my childhood. Okay, from my childhood. so when I hear the <laughs> in love with a bat, I I feel like Hakahir just like is so traumatized at this point, right? That, like, kind of anything is, like, a hope for them. And so when they hear that, they, like, feel hope. And we're like, is that me? And then, like, reaches out to their god to see if there's any connection there still. And, like, wants to calm down the lupin. Your eyes begin to glow with that golden gossamer. And the lupin grows warm antlers by the side of their head. Which does nothing to convince them they are not dreaming. He is certain now that this is a dream. And he's like, well, I wasn't, I wasn't born under... Oh no, I don't remember which saint it was. I'm so bad at my saints. I don't even believe in this stuff. It's just stars. They don't mean anything. He's trying to puzzle something out and just muttering to himself at this point about like possible psychological connections and why he's dreaming and why he can't wake up. Haka here like really empathizes with that. And so continues to feel like a connection to this person while they can't wake up and talk to them. Hakahir is like, me too, buddy. Note, if Hakahir could be crying, they would be. (laughs) Small tears of blood are running down the bat's eyes now. Oh no. And and the lupin is just panicking, trying to figure out what all of this means. That's not what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) That's the opposite of what I wanted. On the plus side, all the noise is going to be very easy for me to track. I think that the best thing to do at this point is just, like, focus 
and try to like save energy to be able to move because yeah the fire thing didn't go super great and yeah i'm covered and disgusting and probably in a lot of pain because fire and acid yeah i'm gonna take a moment to gather my strength you're able to keep it together despite this entirely horrible situation and keep it together i just mean keep your wits about you uh avoid getting lost in a panic attack no shame on panic attacks they're very real very hard things to deal with Uh, I think most of us struggle with those. And I think we all know the feeling of trying to keep your senses about you in the middle of a very panicking situation. Um, And how random that feels and how little control we have over that. Which is one of the things that is reflected in that. And doesn't make you a stronger or weaker person. But you both managed to keep it together. Hooray! We're not actively falling apart while already dead. The Lupin's doing all the panicking for you. Yeah, the Lupin is definitely doing all the panicking for you. Uh, The Lupin probably didn't struggle with panic attacks before this, but trauma's a hell of a drug. Hatavo, you're trying to save up your strength. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What are you saving it up for? I'd like to sit up and eventually, you know, leave this cave full of bones and cannibal. Yeah, after about an hour, you try and sit up and the sinew in your legs snaps tight and your torso does rocket right up, but you're otherwise unable to move. Okay. With to which the lupin, who had calmed down a bit and was just kind of hammering their head on the back of the wall, being like, <laughs> I am stuck in a nightmare. I'm stuck in the nightmare. Please wake me up. Please wake me up. It starts to panic again because... That's not fun. That's not fun at all. The the bogey from their dreams is now attacking them. And they're like, what do you want from me? Which they start shrieking at you. Can I somehow communicate through the connection like this is a friend? A death rattle emits from your throat. Oh no. That sounds very much like a friend. <laughs> a friend. To which the Lupin looks at you and is like, I didn't. No, no, it's not my fault. You killed them, not me. You killed them. It's not my fault. Anything else you're going to try and do, my dead friends? I'm worried about trying to move more. I'm honestly concerned that it is just going to, like, wreck what is left of a body here. No, I think I'm going to chill sitting for for a while. The Lupin obviously isn't a problem. Like, they're scared to death of me, so that's fine. Worst comes to worst, maybe we'll puke again. Who knows? I think trying to just grasp the situation is really where Hatavo's at. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to affect anything. Right now, I'm just making things worse, it feels like. Hatreve. You and this Ibixian are tracking this Thrace. But before I set out, I'm going to attempt to squeeze some of the Zetaxian poison onto a couple of my arrowheads. You're able to get Zetaxi poison on three arrowheads, which you believe will be potent for the next ten minutes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's track a Thrace. As soon as you see those tracks, you're able to follow them like they are highlighted in bright red for you to track down. They are so visible. You don't even have to slow your roll. You're just going, which is useful because you run directly into a wild-eyed Thrace. That means you've got a surprise round, which means you're going before anybody. So you've, you've like caught this Thrace completely unawares. Its eyes are wild and it is, it like just comes running up to you. So like you've got a couple of, um, meters before you can, like, before it'll even be upon you. Alright, poison arrow. Hot damn. Fifteen. 
Yes, that definitely hits. You have another turn. Another poison arrow. Uh, 13. 13 hits. You get two arrows in like the most medius, less hurtful place in the horse you can imagine. For those of you out there who understand horses and how arrows work, you know what I mean. To everyone else, use your imagination. Flanks. That's fancy horse talk for butt, right? Haunches is. Great. You put the two arrows into the horse, and the horse rears back its head, and just projectile vomits in a beautiful stream. <laughs> just like a fountain. Like, wow, if, if you could carve and sculpt and set up aqua works, like, you'd be inspired. But as it is, it's a horrible carnivorous horse that is vomiting out bits and chunks of animals and blood. Ew. The horse promptly falls over. The Thrace, this monstrous, uh, very carnivorous horse, falls over and is pretty much just po- is very poisoned and is probably going to die from that. And the Abixian just looks at you. And looks down at their short swords that they haven't even drawn. And then looks back at you and like, what? <laughs> hey, hang on. We've got to find its lair. I'm sure that the, my friends are going to be there. What? <laughs> I'm, you know, when this is all over, I'm going to take you out for another drink. Because you clearly didn't get to enjoy the buzz on this one. So let's just do that. Wow. Okay, it's another five minutes until you find the lair, and you find a crying lupin in the back near some straw with some bodies piled around them, and one of the bodies actually has a faint warmth to it. And one of the bodies is hot of oak, sitting right up, and there's the smell of burning vomit. You notice it's here, the one that has a little bit of warmth to it, and the lupin looks up to you and says, Who are you and why am I dreaming about you? I'm here for the bodies of my friends. Are we going to have a problem? I, my leg's broken. I'll take that for a no then. All right, I'm going to <laughs> retrieve the, the bodies out from the pool of vomit. <laughs> uh, the the Abixian, uh, who's sobering up a lot faster now, <laughs> or at least taking the situation more serious, is helping the Lupin stand and, and trying to shush the Lupin and be like, hey, 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 we don't have a blanket, but you need a shush, you need a calm, you need a shush, shush, hey, hey, hey it's okay, it's okay. And, and the Lupin is like, why are you friends with a bogey? What does this mean? You're going to have to drag Ha Tavo, but Haka right. here is pretty light. Between the two of us, uh, I'm hoping it'll be uh, at least doable. Yes, doable for sure. It's going to take you about an hour and a half to get back to town. Okay, well, let's let's just go ahead and do it. Oh, you're bringing the Lupin too? No. <laughs> the Abixian is bringing the Lupin. Oh, damn. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you were just going to leave him in that cave. Hell yeah. So it's actually a rather quiet night. The, the sounds of Cicada, which again... No trees, so there probably shouldn't be the summer sounds of cicada. Also, it's very spring-like out. Like, it's a, it's a nice chill in the air. Hmm. Clear like background cicadas on a loop. It, yeah, like background cicadas on a loop actually happening, but like you're hearing it. This isn't just a roleplay joke. It's actually like also a thing that's going yeah. on. The sky is clear. The stars are bright and twinkling. And something feels familiar to you, Hot Treve. And you arrive in town. And the Abixian starts heading right for our, our good friend, Melenis Chalmers. Melenis. And Z opens here door with a grumpiness that cannot be matched. 
Haruin, you are dead asleep. You've been loaded up with so much chamomile and valerian tincture <laughs> that awake is just not a thing you can do. There's also probably some hallucinogens and narcotics mixed into that. Ah, oh, sweet. You are sleeping the I don't feel pain right now sleep. I've been given the cough medicine. Yeah, yeah. Melanis looks at the Abixian and grumpily says, Herzig, what you got for me? Why you keep bringing people to me? You're a warden, not a doc. You aren't a healer. I'm not. You don't. <sighs> what seems to be the problem? <laughs> these these two, I'm pretty sure, are dead. Ish. I don't, I don't know about this Lupin guy. Uh, looks like several leg fractures, an infestering wound about the leg, bit by some sort of carnivore. Sit down! And, like, pushes the Lupin into a chair very hard and starts binding the wound despite the Lupin's complaining. Very familiar, very, uh, hands-on, very bad bedside manner healer. And the Abixian looks at you and says, I don't know what we did, but you feel like a warden. And I don't know what post you're from, but it was an honor to see you in action. Well, just thank you for backing me up. I couldn't have done it without you. Absolutely. If if you're ever near uh, Fort Vaquero, let me know, and and I will I will tap into our reserves of fine drink for you. We'll uh, we'll make it a party. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to drinking myself asleep. But this was a great story. <laughs> it sure was. Enjoy that drink. Yeah. What what fort are you from? If you don't mind my asking. Insert character knowledge here. The forts you have heard of, I believe, are Fort Turthlan, which the Abixian mentioned to you, and Fort Elbow, which is where you've been. Well, I was not immediately uh, recognized at Fort Elbow. Possibly Fort Turthlan, I'll say. Oh, that. well, that explains it. Those are the elites. Oh, wow. You should have told me from the beginning. I mean, you, you know, a- we don't have any official hierarchy, but like... The wardens that stay at Turth Land are the wardens that have to deal with the fawns and like... And I understand it's weird for me to say, but like, I don't want to fight a fawn. You're pretty nice for a Turth Lonnie, though. Yeah, I'd rather avoid the fighting if I can help it, but uh, can't seem to separate myself from it. Ah, the warden way. I had to fight once. <laughs> so, yes, Herzig goes off on his own to get, to get drunk and spread the story of, of what he's been doing. No one believes him, but it's okay. <laughs> the Grosh looks at you, Hawtreve, and says, Well, you're not sick or injured. Go no. find a place to sleep. Come back in the morning. <laughs> that seems like good advice. I'll do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, our two dead friends were left in the healer's hut. Mm-hmm. Just small, cramped space. But the Grosh eventually turns to you and... Starts muttering very oddly, curious things, poking at you. Z seems to notice that you're responsive. And Z moves you, lays you out, and, like, puts blankets on you. Starts stuffing, like, wet herbs into your mouth. Gross. And lays warm towels over your eyes. Can, can I ask a very pointed question? Yes. Does Z have two arms? Z does have two arms. Okay, cool, cool. That question's been eating at me and I couldn't ask earlier because I wasn't there. Z does in fact have two arms. But Z does take particular interest in the arm you happen to have. Yeah, that makes sense. And notices a very odd scale on your arm. Wiggles at it a little and mutters to herself and then goes back to 
treating others. With the soft, warm towel over your eyes, the two of you slip into something somewhat like sleep. And Hotrieve, you find a place to sleep, whether it be a guest bed or a nice hollowed out spot. Oh, you should have asked to crash with the Abixian. Your sleeping ar- arrangements are not hard to find, whatever you would like them to be. I am going to just find a, a solitary place that seems warm to crash. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, surprisingly common in this city town. And we'll go ahead and wrap that up right here. And we'll pick up with the morning after the wild night. Saint Kotirat, great cat gladiator of fiery charm and heated combat, Saint Kotirat ignites hearts aflame with her most fierce roar. While she lacks the refinement and discipline of a knight, her armor shines with the light of all the countless stars. And though she needs no sword, for indeed no sword could parallel her keen claws and vorpal fangs, she bears a heavy shield with the sun emblazoned upon it. Reckless, expansive, and gregarious, the children of the cat exude a magnetism and determination that is, in and of itself, a blessing and a curse. They exist in perpetuity with countless friends, but ever with few who are very close. For their lack of foresight can grate too dearly upon those they love. However, those who can bear the daunting presence of the fiery cat will find their gladiator friends will never fail to step into the ring for them as long as they receive the praise they are due to those born of saint cotirat this past week you have ignored your own mortality has it been difficult for you to acknowledge it perhaps some strenuous hours have gone by but why why have you not called nor written any letters your mortality misses you dearly and simply wants to feel your warm embrace sweet saccharine oblivion just wants to make sure you're doing okay death simply wants you to know that they are proud of you ask not your friends for advice they trick you into believing your ending will be cold and painful but we have such excitement to show you at your request and fancy the opportunity may have been there all along but for the first time you can see it 